to the MA Roadshow, episode number 181. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me, unfortunately. He had to stay back home in Las Vegas. It is a long and expensive trip over here to Moscow, Russia, where I'm currently sitting with Sebastian Vendel Martinez from MMA Nyet. Yeah, getting better and better at pronouncing it every time. <laughs> uh, obviously, Swedish website, good friend of ours for a long time. You made the trip as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to get into this card in a little bit. I want to get into the Moscow experience. But first, I do have to say I want to offer my apologies to everybody that I couldn't do a and-a-half episode after this past weekend. Uh, I really wanted to, man. That card. I was one of those people, so uh, you know, waiting for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I wanted to so bad, I mean, especially – that card was just off the hook. And it was in my home city of Dallas, Texas, no less. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. it was tough, but I had to admit, unfortunately, uh, we had Simon Samano, who was on vacation over the weekend. He had some pre-planned vacation, and I think most people know by now we're a man down uh, mm-hmm. in recent, in recent uh, months or so. Uh, and then I, unfortunately, had a really bad travel situation as well. I mean, not terrible, but it took a while to get the finances approved on, on this trip. Uh, so I was going to go straight from Dallas to here in, in Russia, but what I ended up having to do was actually go from Dallas back to Vegas on Sunday, and then on Monday just turn around and go Vegas to Dallas to Heathrow to Moscow. So bottom line is, I, it sounds like I'm making excuses. I just I just ran out of and time. And you kind of are. <laughs> well, I, I kind of am, but I, I just ran out. I'm not offering excuses. I'm giving an explanation. Oh, I like it. I but like I'm it. also offering my apologies as well. So uh, it was a fantastic card. I mean, literally, no joke. Seb, I could sit here and probably do a, a post-fight show now. And uh, room service calling? I think so. It was just a couple of beers. Uh, perhaps yeah, we shouldn't got, got disclose the amount. Beverages on the way. Yeah, man, there's a little too much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one guy can't carry all this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sir. That's a little bit too much for us. Uh, yeah, but seriously, I could sit here and do a whole post show now on on USC two twenty eight. It was great. I know mm. you end up watching cards in the in the in the wee hours of the morning over in Europe. But uh, I mean, yeah. did this one still resonate for you? Did it keep you on on the uh, edge of your seat? Well, I I've got to be honest. This one we did not watch live. Me and actually Stefan, who's on the bed right now, that came out wrong. That came out totally Wait. wrong. So he is using the bed. <laughs> I should say that we are actually in my hotel room here. We're at the host hotel. The uh, Hyatt Regency Petrovsky Park, a very fine hotel, I might say, mm-hmm. uh, with reasonable, affordable rates with the exchange rate. 70 oh, really? rubles to a dollar, I believe is how it works. So, Could uh, be, yeah. Anyway, he is just using the bed as a workstation, exactly, sir. Exactly. Uh, point being, we were actually at his uh, summer house on the east coast of Skorna in the south. fancy. Yeah, so we uh, we had a pretty nice weekend there in, in the nature. So it was me, Stefan, uh, my girlfriend, and one of her friends. So we actually ended up watching it the day after, uh, out in the nature. Uh, Probably a better experience anyway, right? Like not trying to keep yourself up the whole time. Yeah, it it, it did give us a chance to get the most out of like the situation and and just being being where we were. Uh, I mean, it was uh, I thought it was a, a really great card, uh, top to bottom. I, I thought that unfortunately Dodson Bermuda or I mean uh, Rivera didn't really deliver. Right. Uh, but I thought that was like the only real that dud. It. That was the only one. It was just fireworks everywhere from start to finish. And, and I mean, great showing. Uh, I mean, as a European and just seeing the, the sorrow in his eyes, I mean, it, it was a little sad seeing Darren Till fall the way he did mm. because, honestly, I do feel like there was a, a big difference in uh, in quality between them. 
uh, as we say in Swedish, uh, we say a, a difference of class, mm-hmm. uh, and not class in terms of how classy one is, but in terms of like tiers. Like when we say there's levels to this game. Exactly. That's yeah. It. And there was levels to that game, and it was pretty obvious. Uh, it Jessica was. Andrade succeeded at frightening me once more through the screen, uh, and uh, Jesus Christ, wow! I mean, she. <laughs> She, she did a number on Cole Kiewicz. I mean, that was that was sad. And, and Carolina, I don't know how much the broadcast picked it up, but clearly in tears. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's hard to see anybody uh, that emotional after a fight, especially she's so sweet, she's so nice. Yeah. She's always got then the she went on wink. Inst- she, she went on Instagram and apologized. Completely unnecessary. Yeah. It's, it's completely unnecessary. But uh, yeah, I you know what I will say this though, Darren Till. Uh, I do like the way he handled himself afterwards. Mm-hmm. I like very, very much reminded me of, of like when Conor McGregor lost to Nate Diaz. I was Diaz, thinking that you know, too. Yeah, just just owning up to the mistake. Uh, you know, saying I'm going to come back better. Uh, you know, and I think you know, I think even that's probably why I asked him. Like, are you still saying you're done with 185, or do you yeah. feel like you need to stay now? Kind of the same way Connor was like, "Oh no, I'm not going to 155. Like, we're doing this again at 170." So I, I think there's still bright days ahead for Darren Till, and I think he handled Definitely. himself with class. Um, there were so many great moments on this card. I, I will say, uh, first of all. I don't like to pat myself on the back too much, but I did try to tell everybody in Dallas, get ready to watch Irini Aldana and Lucy Pudilova. It's a fight that nobody cares about, but it's a phenomenal fight. Thank you, sir. The Frosty Beverages have been delivered at this point. God damn, good. that was a good that was fight. Some quick service, by the way. Yeah, the right. service here is fantastic. I'm just uh, In general, I feel like, you know, the Ubers get her on time. I mean, sure, they, they drive like you're trying to get across the border, but, I mean, it gets us here on time. <laughs> yeah, through that traffic that we can see outside oh, the man. window right here, it is nuts. Like, my dude was driving, like, on the side, like, not even on an actual part of a freeway, but, like, on the side of a freeway just yep. to go around the traffic. And I'm God like, okay, bless. I'm terrified, but it works. God bless. All right, so Irina Aldana, Lucy Pudilova, that's one of the best uh, women's fights I've ever seen. Honestly, it was fantastic. Yeah. And I had a feeling that was going to be good. Uh, and the fact that Aldana broke her hand in the first round, and, and managed to power through Still it and not only back. and won. Unbelievable. Uh so many shout outs on this one, man. Uh Jared Brooks, I, I thought that no way that was a split decision, but we got to hang out with him a couple of times earlier in the week, man. He's a good dude, and I was happy to see him pick a win. Jeff Neal, man. Jeff Neal, that oh knockout. Not only was that knockout of Frank Camacho brutal, but even before then the head kick, you know, just the speed and the accuracy of his punches oh, yeah. were were phenomenal. But uh levels to that game as oh, well. And Jesus he, he sent Camacho to a shadow realm. I mean That was nuts. Poor Camacho, man. I mean, Camacho, he ain't going anywhere, man. That dude scraps, man. That yeah. dude throws down every time. So it but was he, a he brutal like way for him to lose. Losses in I think what is it? Two of his last three or yeah. three of his last four. But he ain't going anywhere. He scraps. He scraps. And Tatiana Suarez I've been telling people, if you're not on the Tatiana oh, yeah. Suarez bandwagon, you better be on it now. Cause or Latina Khabib. Can we, can we call her that? Did you see that she actually <laughs> tweeted? She said, you can call me Tabib. Uh, yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I missed that. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I like that. So I'm, I'm signing on with that Tabib. Uh, she's definitely at it. And, uh, man, Carla Spar is as tough as they come to. Hey, saw our boy Nico Price at the at the airport on the way home the next mm. day. He was bummed, you know. And, and that's one of those ones. Uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, man. I, I was so torn with that fight because I love both those guys. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I mean, Abdul Razak Hassan is legit. And, and it was, you know, saw Nico, and it just, you know, all he could do is give him a little fist bump and be like, bro, you you know, you come to bang every time. That's yeah. that's all we can ask well, of it you. It was almost a shame that it ended so early because I think, it w- I mean, give it another, I mean, that could have been like the sort of Poirier, Eddie Alvarez-style yes. fight. Uh, just, or once again, it ended early. I would have liked to see a rematch. I mean, it's not going to happen because it was so definitive. But damn, it's just a shame we didn't get to see as much as we could have. How was the uh, unfiltered beer, by the way? We just basically yeah. we don't know any of the names on the menu. 
Uh, can't even pronounce them. Can't even pronounce them, so we just picked one and, and had it delivered. Something that said unfiltered at the end, so I guess we're being kind of healthy. <laughs> Stop with that. <laughs> unfiltered is healthy. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, listen, 228, like I said, apologize that we didn't come through with the uh, and a half. I will be able to do something. I know not everybody's fired up for this card in Moscow, but I don't leave until uh, Monday morning, mm-hmm. so I will have some extra time to do that. Um, yeah, all the flights left at like 5 a.m. to get back to the States on right. uh, on on Sunday, and I'm like, that's not enough time to get my work done. My so. flight leaves at 10 in the morning Sunday. So you, you'll, you'll have time to finish. Yeah. That won't be a fun night for you, though. That's a, that's a no sleep, <laughs> sleep night. Sleep on the plane. All right, let's talk about UFC Fight Night 136. I Hell guess, you know, yes. first thing is first, before we really dig into the card it's the russian debut and i think that's mm-hmm. you know and i'll be honest with you that's why i'm here you know a, a lot of the a lot of the staff even is is said like man we didn't think you'd be here for this one because no secret mma junkie has trimmed back on the travel budget a little bit this year and we've missed mm-hmm. some international cards um and on paper this card it does not look to be an absolute you know star studded affair um it's but to me i thought the push and unfortunately my bosses agreed um was to come cover the fact that it's it's the first event in Russia. I mean, this yeah. is a piece of history. Um, I wanted to see what's the Russian market like. What is you know what's their passion for MMA? How do they react? How do, that sort of thing? Um, and, and I think we've got a, a little bit of that. I, I gotta imagine. Um, I know you try to do you know a, a pretty good job of covering all the European events, but uh, was it the history that kind of factored into getting you here as well? It was kind of a no-brainer. I mean, it's such a big thing. I mean, Russia is, well, I mean, it's, it, Russia is the the America of Europe, more or less. I mean, it's it's the Titan. I mean, you know, China is the tit- or is the the USA of Asia and so forth. So, I mean, it was really kind of a no-brainer. We've seen so much top-tier talent come out of there, and they've, you know. I'd say most of their, their organizations are pretty well respected as well. I mean, M1 Global, Fight Night Global, uh, Pro FC, all those. Uh, logistically, it was pretty simple. It was like less than a two-hour flight. Uh, it wasn't that expensive. Uh, and, uh, yeah, basically it was just me and Stefan telling our boss, like, hey, we got we got you know a couple of sizable names here. We got Blachowicz, we got Hunt, we got uh, uh, Arlovsky, and we got ton of upcoming talent this is going to be a big thing for like it's going to be a kind of a well it is a historic thing uh and yeah i mean for us it was just a lot easier to get it going than it was for you on the other side of the pond so (laughs) it's a long haul yeah it's a long haul so much less convincing on our part (laughs) (laughs) to get it done no question yeah so so here's what we're hearing so far so it's being held at olympic stadium which is a very very old venue um which is actually uh, per my understanding going to be torn down later this year so this is one of the one of the final events that'll be there They've, they've replacing it with some new uh some new stadiums so there still will be uh arenas that can hold the ufc moving forward but they're Tearing this one down, it'll be one of the final events oh, there. More history, um, yeah, a little bit of history there too. Um, I have heard that ticket sales are going really, really well. Uh, I've heard so too. Now I think I think this building holds like forty thousand or something like that. They scaled it down, of course. You know, they didn't yeah. want to go that big, I guess, right away. Um, but I, I've I've heard that you know over twenty thousand seats already. And it, I hadn't thought about this, but it, you know, some people are saying they're saying, listen, uh, we're not sure we're there yet, but there's a real possibility if you think about it. This could be one of the top five to top seven most attended UFC events ever because yeah. you've got the four stadium shows that, that that hold the record, right? I mean, you've got Rogers Center, uh, you've got uh, Curitiba, you got Stockholm, and uh, what am I missing on the on the? I don't know. Was Toronto, it Toronto, Curitiba, Stockholm? I'm gonna feel like an idiot. What's the other stadium show? 
T-Mobile? No. Why can I not remember right now? This is so sad. It is. And, and it's none of us that can remember either. So. And then outside of those, uh, <laughs> maybe there's only three stadium shows. Then outside of the stadium shows, uh, the uh, Bell Center in Montreal used to do huge uh, venues with George St. Pierre. Oh, yeah. Even though it's an arena – that was a really big arena where they used to get like twenty two, twenty three thousand in there. So there's a possibility that it's going to sneak up on some of those those Bell Center shows. So um, could could be a very big one. And um, you know, I, uh, there are a lot of questions. I think most people that listen to this show are probably educated enough or hardcore enough to realize. I mean, we told everybody from the beginning. You know, when they announced Russia, mm-hmm. we told everybody, listen, we're hearing Fight Pass. You know, they want to have it at a local time. It's not going to be Habib. Don't get your hope up. And, and, and people, I think, still were holding out reservations. But, you know, I think it does make sense. I mean, of course, if Habib wasn't fighting Connor, it would have been amazing to have him on this card. Oh, yeah. But I think this is the right choice, man, to come in on the on the first try in a big market like this as you said you know a titan of europe in this nation man i don't think you want to come and come at them like they do in japan we're like hey we want you to show up at 9 a.m on a sunday yeah. you know or hey let's do like the, the manchester pay-per-view and we need you at, you know well let's face it historically russians don't like being told what to do so uh <laughs> i think that's also a good thing i I, I don't know that a lot of people were surprised if you didn't put volkov on the card uh, I think a lot of people were expecting that, but I mean, I still think that the the card we got uh, uh, is a, a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, not necessarily the most high stakes right. uh, co-main event. Definitely has quite a few stakes there. Uh, main event could produce some interesting stories, but not necessarily your next title challenger. But I mean, it's probably as good as it's gonna get. Honestly, I I do think that. Even if it's not, you know, the Khabibs or the Volkovs in terms of name and status, I think that entertainment-wise and talent-wise, I do think that this is going to be a really good card. And you'll you'll hear some. I'm going to play some audio later for some some executives that we talked to, and they said, "Listen, one of the things we did find is that um, Russians do identify with other Russians. They want the local names. Now yeah. that changes over time. I think, you know, I mean, because I think we've seen it happen in Brazil. I think we've seen it happen in Europe, mm-hmm. where you're like, hey, yeah, we do want to support our local guys and see them in the UFC." But hey, also I don't want a Cage Warriors card on UFC. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like I, I want to see the stars of the UFC that I watch on TV and bring over here. So I think you know, at first it's probably right. Let's have as many Russians as we can. Let's make sure the crowd can cheer for the Russians and you know have our thing. Um, but at some point you got to start making the, the the switch over. So before we dive super deep into this card, I did want to ask um, if you've had much chance to to ask people around about Habib Nurmagomedov because. This one, this thing is interesting to me. So um, I had a chance to uh, basically just been talking to like bartenders and things like that, you know, <laughs> yeah. outside of just the MMA world, you know what I mean? Like, hey, and I will say, maybe it's silly, but uh, even as much traveling as I've done, uh, it is pretty cool to be here. As an American, especially American of my age, you know, I'm 40 years old, um, I do remember a time when this was like our enemy, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and so it's kind of funny to talk to people and uh, and – and be like, dude, what was your attitude about us growing up? You know, and like, yeah. what did you think about us growing up? And like, you know, it's, 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 so it's been kind of fun. It's, it's cool to be here. But so I've had a chance to talk to people, you know, kind of outside the MMA world. And I've been a little bit intrigued. Um, the politics in Russia are definitely complicated. Yeah. And with ha- autonomous republics absolutely. and Absolutely. Yeah. So with Habib, everybody knows him, but it doesn't sound like everybody supports It sounds like. Conor McGregor has some support here. You know, there's people that are going to be cheering for Conor McGregor to see him as a superstar, whereas I just assumed everybody here was Habib number one all day. 
Well, no, I mean, just having some basic, uh, or not, I mean, perhaps more than basic knowledge, just and some general interest in sort of Russian history and and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, I mean, the, the bad blood between Russia and some of the autonomous republics is is very harsh. I mean, there's been, I mean, yeah, not let's not go under the table. If there's been a, a lot of a lot of you know terrorist attacks and violence uh, and you know occupations and stuff like that back and forth, and it doesn't surprise me that much. I mean. Really, if you think about it, it's it's you know smaller states that uh, or regions that don't necessarily culturally or religiously identify as much with what we consider Russia, mm-hmm. and uh, it's definitely an interesting situation. We haven't actually had time to talk to a whole lot of people who speak English uh, <laughs> because it's not in an abundance here. I'm glad that I read up on you know a well, few. Well, you guys read Airbnb, so like it, I, yeah. I've been in an area where there's basically service staff who are catering to you know, English speakers in a lot of time, you're kind of... The guy who worked at Domino's, he could say a few words, but I did not feel that it was a good opportunity to ask him about Khabib. So uh, <laughs> uh, so you probably have more insight there, but it doesn't surprise me in the least. It's interesting. I thought for sure. I, I will say uh, Fedor Emelianenko, universally loved. He, oh, yeah. is, uh, he is essentially a god here. He is the... Uh, the big nog of, of Russia or something, yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? He's like a guy. So I thought that was interesting. You know, I, you know, again, it sounds like this, people certainly know Habib, just not necessarily all are, are in 100% favor. So uh, I found that interesting. By the way, the other stadium show, you're going to feel stupid because I felt stupid. It's, it's Melbourne. It's where oh, Rousey of course. God, <laughs> how could I forget that? <laughs> That's like the biggest one of all, man. Yeah, it was only the biggest one oh, of all. Oh, Jesus. Geez. I know. I feel like an idiot. Well, I'll blame the frosty beverages, even though we just started yeah. partaking this evening. It's just the long-term effect of the part of the frosty beverages. All right, let's talk about the main event here. Mark Hunt versus Alexi Olenek. Uh, a clash of styles, right? I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, this is old school as you get when it comes to MMA. Oh, yeah. uh, Mark Hunt is coming out looking to, uh, to, to knock your block off. Meanwhile, Alexi Olenek, the master of the submissions, uh, the master of the Ezekiel choke. Although, at the open workouts yesterday, I, I found it funny. You know, Dan Hardy was on point with the question. He said, listen, I got to yeah. ask, do you think you can choke out Mark Hunt? And Alexi Olenek said, nah. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I can't. You know, there's just that neck is too big and fat. He's like, I can't I can't do anything with it. So um, I followed up with that question because we got a, a small little one-on-one for Olenek. I'm like, okay, so you said that it's probably not going to work with Ezekiel. What, what what do you think is going to work? Then? He's like, I got something special, but I'm not going to reveal it. I'm like, ah, come, come on. on. We want to hear the prediction. Yeah. <laughs> well, give me what you think on this because um, it is interesting. I mean, two guys that are in their 40s, um, so not, not two young bucks. Alexi scares me. It's it's amazing. You, know, you talk to people that train with him and, and people that roll with him. They're like, dude, his squeeze, his strength is unbelievable. Mm. But it's funny, it, you know. You'll see him at the at the weigh-ins or at the workouts. I mean, the way he moves, it's just it looks like his body's falling apart. You know what I mean? It just <laughs> looks decrepit. He, it, it doesn't look athletic. You know what yeah. I mean? He, he moves awkwardly. He stands. His body just works at awkward angles kind of like a 40 year old man who was thrown into a cage fight <laughs> maybe so uh who's been fighting for 20 can you imagine he fought here he fought in moscow in in 1997 that's insane it is bizarre i graduated Jeez. high school in 1996 he was already fighting in moscow so uh you know his his record's amazing but how are you seeing this one said because to me um yeah, man, Alexi's as dangerous as it, as it gets with those submissions. I mean, he gets you from angles you're not expecting. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. everybody and everybody makes a lot of him getting an Ezekiel while being mounted, but you should. I mean, that's intriguing, you yeah. know. Um, 
But yeah, Mark Hunt does look to have kind of a neck that's uh, unattackable, so to speak. Yeah. Um. I don't. How How are you feeling on this one? This is such a coin toss matchup for me. I mean, it really is. Like you said, it's a it's a clash of styles, and it is. Uh, one of a few fights where it really is like specialist versus specialist. We barely see that anymore. Everyone right. is so well-rounded these days. And I don't know. I, I really have a hard time picking picking who has the advantage here because I feel like neither of them are particularly glamorous in their style. Um, Mark Hunt, he, he fires off. I mean, he's obviously not a stranger to taking a few to giving right. one. Uh, uh, and Olenek, I feel like he, he's kind of like... Yeah, kind of weird and awkward in the way he scrambles and, and goes for stuff, and it's just I don't know. I, I I really I think that I will give a very 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 slight edge to Mark Hunt. Mm. I think that's just level of experience and well, not to say that Olenek is inexperienced, but I mean uh, at the highest level. Yeah, at the highest level uh, against your, the likes of you know your Verdums or Dos Santoses, Overeems, and such. Uh, I do think that he does have the opportunity to, to catch him coming in. Uh, and I do think that, I mean, we've seen from him time and time again that he, he can take a beating for a couple rounds. Uh, if Olenek doesn't submit him, I don't see him having the ground and pound needed to finish. No. And every fight starts standing up. So uh, the way I see it, I think that either Hunt will get like a knockout in the first two-third round or Olenek will grind out a decision or possibly a late submission. Uh, but, I mean, again, it's really, really close. Did you just lay out every possible scenario for a fight? Probably, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of these. I One of these it. ten scenarios. So, regardless, <laughs> I'm right. Uh, that's great. No, you know what? I'm, I'm leaning a little bit towards Mark Hunt as well. But, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Fabrice over Doom. Uh, I want to play this uh, audio from earlier today. This is uh, from the media day. Uh, I had a chance to jump up in a scrum. So, you'll hear my voice mainly. You'll hear a couple other voices as well uh, to speak with Mark Hunt. And uh, he went off. And uh, oh, yeah. pretty much uh, without me uh, pushing the buttons or anything. We were talking about unfiltered, huh? <laughs> yeah, this this is Mark Hunt unfiltered. Hide your kids, hide your wife if they don't want to hear a couple of f bombs, uh, because he, he he lets it go here. Uh, and he's got some other stuff to say that that we'll talk about too. But he definitely has something to say about Fabrice over Doom. Here's Mark Hunt. Mark, you have fought all over the world. It's crazy that you haven't fought here before. But I mean, at this point, at this point, do you still get excited to like go somewhere new? I mean, does it keep it fresh for you? Coming to Russia, I'm excited. You know, I'm happy to come in here. Um, despite the circumstances with, um, with, with with my situation with the company, I'm still excited about coming. It's actually funny for me because uh, I think uh, Perth was the first time I didn't feel so feel so you know um, excited about being a top end prize fighter. Um, but but here I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, coming to um, perform in front of all of Russia and um, fighting um, the Russian local. I think it's great for me because um, not only for me, but for the for the Russian people, especially because they get to see me perform. Not only that, but um, open a new market and see Alexi, um, you know, punch on. You know, we're both nearly the same age, and well, I'm older than him, I think. <laughs> uh, you know, and and he's a clean fighter, so you know, it's great. You touched on your situation with the company. Expand on how you feel right now. I mean, does it make fight week difficult for you or motivation difficult for you? Uh, you know, I've got two fights left. It's, it's very hard to, to be in a situation, but um, you know, I'm trying to get an even playing field here with my life. You know, whether that be my last fight, last my last fight, whatever it is. You know, if it's not, if it's not the last fight in the octo, and you know, fighting to make it even will be my probably my last fight. So, whether I get known if it's for my great fighting or if I get known. 
for making things even, either or, it doesn't matter for me. I mean, no, actually, that's more important for me, to be honest. Yeah. You know, that is more important like to make it even. Knowing you helped speed up the sport? Well, of course. I mean, shucks. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's been a chain of them, you know, and, and you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good feeling. Um, but uh, I'm honestly excited to be here, part of Russian, the Russian opening. I am. Um, I'm glad that Fabrizio Redoom got caught the little bitch, you know, go back to the favelas, fuck you, you little cunt. Good job, you know, um, he was supposed to be here, but um, yeah, that's what you get for being weak. That's what you get for Fabrizio being a weak-minded person. See you later. I kind of wondered, I mean, is it weird that, you know, he gets popped and you get called? I mean, knowing how you feel about things, is it weird he for you to fill it? Me. They pulled me, I got pulled from the Sydney card, he took my place. You know, that guy need me in the head in Mexico. I had to lose 21 kilograms in three and a half weeks to make that title fight. I got kneed in the head by that little cheater. And look, he wants that intimate, and, he, and then he beats Kane in Mexico. That really upsets me about that guy. And then he wouldn't fight me. He's just, he's just a cheating little bitch, man. He's a little dog, that guy. See you later, Fabrizio. Enjoy, motherfucker. Why did you take fight in Russia against Russia? Because I'm excited. I, I have never. I've done, the closest I've been here in Russia is Kazakhstan. You know, I came with the Australian team for for amateur world Muay Thai. Um, I always wanted to come to Russia, um, and but um, you know, replacing Fabrizio. <laughs> See you later, mate. And, um, and 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 especially headlining another event, opening for Russia, and fighting Alexei is good because he, you know, Alexei called me out a long time ago. So, yeah, let's dance. Mark, I gotta ask, did you practice an Ezekiel choke defense at all? Was that a part of camp? Did you did you get down and grapple and try to defend no, a choke? No, no, that's called, that guy just said it was the, called the strangulation. He's, he's gonna get you the strangulation, and I said, so no, I didn't practice that at all. Of course not. I'm just, I'm just gonna let him choke me. Yes. <laughs> Right. I'm just gonna uh, end it like you this. said you, you, you know the game plan of Alexei from where and do you have some insider? What will he do? No, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let him check the life out of me so I'm just fucking dead like this. <laughs> and uh, Alexei told that he can't execute as a kid show from your neck. Do you think he's uh, truthful about it or it's a way to trick you? No, he can. He can do it. Okay. He can he do it. He can because he can, he, he can do that. He can just walk over and just take your check me. I'll allow him to do that. <laughs> Mark, what is the plan moving forward? You mentioned having two fights left. I mean, do you think that's that's it, or do you think there's still more in you? I can fight forever. You know, my body says I can't. I, I, I don't take anything to help me apart from supplements. Um, it's hard to train with the younger guys. You know, I'm 44. I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing at my age, especially with these young guys. I mean, that's why I'm glad to be fighting with Alexi, because he's similar in age. And you know, me and him have got a wealth of experience. Um, and it's just on the night who's the best fighter wins. So, you know, to be honest, uh, I want to fight, um, finish my contract with UFC and then fight three or four more times globally and then, then hang up and retire. You know, I've earned my right to, um, to enjoy my life. And, um, you know, I just, I, I just want to finish on a, on a, on a better note. I'm uh, not uh, being sour about, uh, you know, um, <laughs> you know you know, I never wanted to be in this fucking lawsuit, to be honest. So you know, I want to do I think to be okay when I when I when I leave with fighting. You know, it sucks that I've you know I have to talk about this stuff. You right. know, it, it annoys me. Do you think you could stay? I mean, two, you said two fights in the UFC and then four abroad. I mean, do you think the UFC could come back and say, Mark, you're a star. We we love you. Stick around, man. Stick around. I mean, if, uh, honestly, if that was the case, then they would have sorted the steroid situation a long time. I, I don't know if the offer is good. I'm not stupid. 
You know, I've got to pay bills too. I've got to pay the tax man. The tax man always fucking calling me, the prick. I've got to pay bills too. But if the offer's good enough, then I'll do it. If not, then I'll go and do it on my own terms. Nice. At least I won't have an issue with anything. Yeah. Last question for me. I mean, this is a big stage. It sounds like it's going to be a huge crowd. It's going to be an awesome event. Yeah. How do you see this fight going, man? Is this a, is this a, a war? Is this a battle? Or do you go out there and, and get the walk-off KO? How does this go? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm prepared really well for this fight. So I'm looking forward to dancing with Alexi. And, um, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm knocking him out first, second round. Um, but I'm prepared for five rounds. I'm prepared for the long haul. Um, you know, strangulation to the death, whatever. <laughs> I'm ready for it. That was a very fired up Mark Hunt. Uh, I mean, listen, nothing new with his position on the anti-doping. And, of course, uh, you can sense his anger there. Uh, we certainly appreciate the candor. Hopefully, uh, I'm, I'm sure people will find that very, very entertaining. And hopefully you get a chance to see the, uh, the screenshot that I used uh, as, a, as a photo on the story that's uh, it's actually going to be published uh, in just a few minutes on MMA Junkie. But, uh, okay, nothing new there. Um, but I will say, first of all, it was interesting to hear Mark uh, – be the man that he is and say, hey, Olenek can come choke me into, like, death. I thought that was a little – I didn't know where he was going with that, but I, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't comfortable with that. But, um, you know, him talking about, listen, he's got two fights left with the UFC, and then after that, you know, four fights that he'd like to fight abroad, you know, outside of the organization. But, um, you know, if the UFC comes with the right money, he'll, he'll stick around for those last four fights. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't feel confident that they will because of the lawsuit and all that. I don't know, just a lot of interesting points there. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where the career of Mark Hunt goes because, man, he is such a star, right? He's just got that star quality about him, um, even though he's got the, the basically 500 record, you know what I mean? People yeah. gravitate towards him. I mean, the, the one-punch well, knockout artist, and he is, he's got such when – he, when, he, when he does that, you know, when he's willing to just lay it all out there, it's, it's, it's hard not to. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, both personality and style-wise. I mean, it's like he's never – I mean, if he can help it, it's going to be a, a bomb-ass exciting fight. And, and personality-wise, I mean, he sat there talking to us just for age. I mean, I think he was the last one to leave or something yeah. like that. And just real chill, um, awesome guy, definitely someone you want to invite to the barbecue. It would be fun at a barbecue. The oh, rest of his yeah. crew is too, man. Oh, Tied yeah. Just hide, hide, your, hide your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Tyson Pedro and Tai Tuivasa have been around having a good time as well this week. Uh, uh, all right, let's talk about the co-main event, Jan Blachowicz versus the returning Nikita Krilov. Um, glad to see Nikita back. Uh, you know, I totally understood his reason for leaving. Um, he, he was offered a lot of money, you yeah. know, and, and he said too that, you know, he wanted to fight locally in, in this region so that people here knew him more. They didn't. They didn't. He didn't think he was as well recognized as he should be. And he feels like, hey, I got put on TV around here. You know, I think people know me more. I, I banked a lot of money, mm -hmm. but I always knew I was going to come back. And now I'm back, and uh, walks right into a very, very important matchup. Jan Blahovich, uh, certainly a, a perennial contender in this division. I, I, it's um, to me, this is a lot of power versus speed. You know, I, I think Jan is is as strong as they come in the division, but. Uh, Nikita, both at the open workouts and then today at the media day, just talking to him, uh, looks lean, looks sharp, uh, says he's grown mentally as well. He, you know, mm. he feels more mature as a fighter, as a person. Um, just give me your thoughts on this matchup. Uh, you know, talking to the guys this week and uh, you know having Krilov back. Well, I think that like uh, like you said, Nikita Krilov. I always thought that the thing that was holding him back the most was sort of like uh, mental or such. I feel like he always had the talent, but there was a lot of moments in his career in the UFC where I felt like 
you, you shouldn't like for example this fighting on Soa Palele, he shouldn't won that fight. He he that was a fight that he should and could have won. Uh, just you know, small little things where it's like, ah, you know, I probably wouldn't have done it that way, or you know, whatever. Right. Uh, I also think that this is good for him. Uh, he's had a chance to sort of build himself up, uh, build him, build his own name up. Mm-hmm. I mean, and honestly, he does deserve it. I mean, he was on a fantastic streak in the UFC, uh, and it's a tough test. It's really tough test. It's, I mean. Krylov is a bit more, perhaps, awkward and a bit more fluid, uh, a bit more diverse. Uh, Blachowicz, yeah, a real Polish powerhouse. Another really tough fight to pick, in my opinion. Uh, I think I have to give a slight edge to Blachowicz. Uh, but, again, very slight. Very close on the on the odds makers. I wanted to take a peek at it. I actually went with Krylov in, in my picks, but I agree with you. I mean, this, this is a tough challenge for him. Yeah. Uh, Krylov is a, a, a slight favorite at this point. Oh, so really? That it, actually surprises me that's a bit. Some, that's the I think they opened it basically a pick em and, and, and Krylov is a, is a little bit of a favorite, but um, a big fight for him. And he said, listen, you know, I talked to him today. He's like, listen, I know I've been away, um, but, you know, I went 4-0 while I was gone. You know, I, I, I got a, a championship belt on, on, the, on the international stage. Um, I believe this fight matters a lot. You know, he pointed to uh, Corey Anderson and Iler Latifi and uh, also uh, uh, Anthony Smith and Volkan Ozdemir mm-hmm. as kind of the two fights along with this one where the winners of those fights are really going to be able to position themselves strongly in the division. And it's it's hard not to argue with that. You know, if, 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 if one of those – the winners of those three fights, you know, kind of comes out and has a fantastic performance. You know, they're all sitting around and and, and hoping that John Jones doesn't get clear because obviously we know what's happening when <laughs> yeah. he comes back. Well, we actually asked uh, Blakovitz because you know about the whole you know Cormier situation. Like, hey, what if he doesn't come back? How do you feel? Should we UFC strip his title and such? And he's like, and he said basically like, well, they have to make a decision now. Either he comes back or we strip his title. And I'm like, okay, well, say that happens, who fights for the title? And he was like, yeah, me after I win this fight and Gustafsson. Gustafsson's got to be there as well. Yeah, you can't deny Gustafsson no, at this point. He's got to be there. It's interesting, man. I, you know, listen, uh, they're still looking for that main event in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard all the same things that everybody else is, that they've yep. really been angling for John Jones and Alexander Gustafsson behind the scenes. Um, but we still just don't have this clearance by USADA. And along the way, it's made me feel like they must know more than we do. They must know what's going on. But as we get closer and closer – I don't know, man. I'm, you know, the people I talk to, everybody around John Jones is very positive. You know, they won't say, "Yeah, we're going to get cleared and we're going to fight this date." They just kind of say, "Yeah, man, uh, things are moving well." But they've been saying that for months, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're getting close, man. We're getting really close. And my understanding was that was always kind of the the working main event, knowing that there were challenges in the way, but challenges that were expected to be cleared. And as we're getting closer, man, I, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, I will not be at that press conference uh, next week in New York with Dana okay. um, but and, and Habib and Connor as well, I should say. But um, hopefully that does get brought up. I would, I would hope a medium. Because, I mean, I know they're there to promote Connor and Habib, but, uh, but that's a pretty big show that's only a month later and doesn't have a main event yet. Hopefully somebody brings it up. I wouldn't be... I mean, the card already looks good for Madison Square Garden, oh. but, but you got to go strong when you go to Madison Square Garden. You got to have at least one title fight on there. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't. I mean, it it sounded like Tyron was down the other day, and it sounds like Colby's down. That wouldn't be a terrible main event to to put on top of that. I think there's there's real bad blood there. Yeah. Uh, you got a, a motivated Tyron that I think is going to want to come out and, and promote the event and talk a little trash. And of course, Colby's going to be Colby. I don't think that would be bad if that's what winds up being the main event there. 
No, definitely not. I just don't feel like it has that 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 zing that the Jones Gustafsson two would have. I even mean, that would be a, even though that would be a non-title fight, it would still be five rounds. It would still be a rematch of one of the greatest fights ever in the division. Yeah, it would be amazing. I mean, to be fair, yeah, they should have a title fight. I mean, is that the the best title fight alternative? Without a doubt, yeah. that is the the most concrete. Yeah, we can get this title fight going type of uh, type of bout. But I don't know. I mean. Obviously, I'm extremely biased here, but I would personally prefer to see Jones Gustafsson too. I mean, no, nah, that's a fight that everybody wants to see. I think you would take that over most. Yeah, I mean, I guess over pretty much any available title fight right now. I mean, right? Shevchenko against somebody. I mean, Shevchenko against Joanna for flyweight title. That's that's a lot of fun, but it doesn't have those stakes. I agree. I agree. And by the way, I guess that's weird. We should say, speaking of uh, Joanna, she's here, so we'll actually talk to her tomorrow, which I'm anxious to do. But uh, earlier today, uh, her and Rose popped up on the UFC 230 website. (laughs) And uh, fortunately, we were with some UFC officials, and we were like, hey, uh, is there something you need to tell us? And he's like, no, 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 it's it's wrong. We've already found out about it. They're trying to fix it. But that was kind of bizarre. So uh, that literally just happened a a little bit ago. So maybe we can poke around, especially now that all the staff is starting to have a few frosty beverages as well. Maybe we can find out. Ooh, yeah, I like it. There, Get some stuff there. out of them. All right, Andre Olaski versus Shamil Abdurakimov in the uh, third fight on the main card. Um, all right, listen. I know this is weird, right? And um, you could – Andre's been in a bad mood all week. There's no question about <sighs> it. Uh, I, fortunately, Pound I, for pound, the fighter that scares me the most in person. He is intimidating. I'm not going to lie. He is intimidating. Fortunately um, – you know, I, him and I have a pretty good relationship, and, and, and he loosened up, and we got a decent interview that's up on MMA Junkie. But, uh, I mean, we all saw the footage, right? He walked yeah. out on a, on, a, on a Russian TV show. Now, again, we're talking about politics. We're talking about all these things that I don't necessarily understand. And I'll be honest, I was going to ask him about it today, but, dude, I watched him do interview after interview, and he was not – like, he was in the worst mood ever. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I'm kind of curious, but I don't think this is going to make or break our coverage at MMA Junkie. So let's just talk about some other things, the future, how he feels about the fight. Let's not talk about that Russian uh, TV gig. But it is weird. And, and, and even before that, I had seen that whole walking out on the TV thing, when I was kind of starting to put my notes together for this card, I did think it was weird, right? Like, here's the here's the Russian debut. Mm-hmm. And I know Andre is from Belarus, um, but... Putting him against an uh, quote-unquote actual Russian, I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Like, Andre is a legend in the sport, right? I mean, he's a guy that's been doing it forever. He's a former champion. You would think that you would want him to come in and kind of get that rub. You know what I mean? Again, this is the first event. That first event, you want the crowd going nuts, man. You want want him getting that build. You know, you're talking about – I mean, one of the best ever, of course, was the Dublin event where, you know, all Mm. the Dublin guys were building. The first Brazil event that was that way where all the Brazilians were getting wins and the crowd was just building to this crescendo. And so I thought this bit of matchmaking was a little bit weird, not stylistically, not ranking-wise or anything like that, but just – Putting Arlovsky against a Russian, so that Arlovsky doesn't get the love as the as the quote unquote local guy. I mean, yeah. at the open workouts the other day, he even like grabbed the mic from Dan Hardy because again, the guy was in a bad mood. There's no, t- yeah. he was like, oh, you don't have any questions. He was being nice about. It. He's like, oh, you don't have any questions for me. Like, well, of course Dan had questions for you. That was his entire job of exactly. being there. You know, what I mean? he's like, oh, you don't have any questions for me. Like, uh, okay, well, good. And the, and the last thing he says is. My mom is Russian. That was the last thing he said, like to the whole crowd. Like, by the way, my mom is Russian. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I feel like some of this is getting to him, 
And I do wonder if it's kind of weird that they didn't. I, <coughs> I know it sounds maybe bizarre, but just put him up against an American guy. Put him up against a Brazilian guy. Like, you couldn't find somebody for him so that he kind of gets to be the hometown guy? Yeah, that would have made a lot more sense. I mean, especially because, I mean, Belarus and Russia, you know, they are very similar, in, you know, ethnically and such. And. I don't know if maybe they're trying to play up the fact that Abdurakimov is like from Dagestan and right. they're trying trying in that sense to give him, but correct me if I'm wrong, but we looked a couple days ago on the UFC site and it said for a, for a fight card, Andrei country, Russia. Right now it says Belarus, so okay. maybe, it got ch- maybe it got changed. Didn't we see it? Yeah, Stefan is confirming. It said we, we saw, yeah, it said Russia. That's so weird. And, again, it's, and again, this is politics that are on a level that that we don't even, at least I don't even fully comprehend. Like even Dagestan, you know, like I, yeah. it's Chechnya. I mean, even the I don't, I, I will, I will, and I've been reading about it. I, I, I saw a tweet like a week or so ago. I remember John Gooden said that he was like really diving into the history mm. so that he understood it better, so he doesn't do anything erroneous on the call. So kudos to him, much respect to him. Yeah. Fortunately, I don't, I don't have to do a broadcast, but um, I don't know. I just, I thought it was weird matchmaking, man. I thought, I thought Andre, you should have put him against. A, a quote-unquote foreigner to let him get that love, you know. I think so too. That would make it a lot more, a lot more sense. Uh, I mean, unless they're they're banking on you know getting some fights going in the stands between the Dagestani fans and the, like the Russian Russian fans. I don't know. That's what they're banking on. That's how, hopefully that's how you not. Sell it. That's great. Uh, Alexi Kuchiko is taking on Tiago Alves, the undefeated Oof. Russian. Uh, yeah, Tiago, man. I, I asked. I was like, dude, you're a, you're a veteran, but I don't know, man. Does it feel like some kind of Brazilian Rocky moment, you know what I mean? You're fighting in Moscow, but you're fighting against the undefeated uh, local hero guy, and he's like, nah, I mean, you know, I see the guy, I see holes, you know, I, I looked at him, and he's good, but I'm not I'm not worried, but uh, that's a tough matchup. Oh, it's a tough test. I mean, for for those who don't know about uh, Alexei Kunchenko, I mean, he is a killer. Uh, he's been on my radar for a while, and I mean, sure, a lot of the guys he's fought, I never heard of him before, hmm. but I mean, when you see his fights and how he fights, this dude's intense. Uh, there's another fighter on the undercard that we might get to a little bit later on, but uh, I mean, just the f- just having 18 and 0 is n- is no easy feat. No, uh, it's not. It's uh, it's gonna be a tough test uh, for both of them, to be honest. I mean, Kunchenko he gets to test himself on the world's biggest stage. Uh, against a former title challenger mm-hmm. in the UFC, he was fought with the likes of GSP and Carlos Condit, and just you know, uh, but who is perhaps a little bit on his way down career-wise. Uh, for Alves, it's a test in terms of can he welcome somebody who you know does. This is a, I mean, in my opinion, it's it's kind of a losing fight for him because he beats him. And it's like, oh, you beat a UFC debutant. Uh, if he loses, oh, you lost to a guy who you know never fought in the UFC before, who we've never heard of here on Fox, you know. Uh, and if he loses, he's not—he's likely not getting out wrestled for 15 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if he loses, it's going to be another Curtis Melinder. Uh, another tough fight to pick. I'm, I'm probably leaning t- towards Kuchenko. Yeah, I, I hate the odds. Odds makers uh, minus five, five to one, right? Five. Yeah. yeah, five to one. So tough challenge Ouch. for Thiago and. Tiago, man, he seems to be in such a, a fantastic place mentally. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he gave us probably the best interview all like all day. He's so well spoken at this point in his career, and so yeah. just open and honest. And and um, you know, he talks about the, the, the you know, and, he, and look, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's like, listen, you know, if I, you know, 
kind of paraphrasing here because I don't even think he said if I did lose. I think he left that part out, but I think he was like, listen, whatever happens, you know, I, I go back to a wonderful life. You know, I've got a great family. I've, I've done well for myself. You know, I'm happy. And, and I believe it. And I think that's good to be at peace and to have that kind of have a feeling. But, um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a, it's a tough matchup for him and, and uh, could be a, a huge opportunity for Kachingo. As you said, a lot of people that keep their eye on the scene have been high on him for quite a while. Oh, yeah. And now he gets it on, uh, you know, a, a pretty big stage. I mean, yes, it's a fight past card, but – it's a UFC. It's a debut in Russia. It's the main card. There's going to be, you know, twenty thousand plus in attendance. It's it's going to be pretty uh, pretty impressive. So, yeah. Uh, all right, listen. We talked a lot about the fact that this is the debut in UFC. Um, I wanted to talk to my man Dave Shaw and kind of get his thoughts. He's uh, of course vice president, uh, senior vice president, I should say. I don't want to take that away from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in charge of international uh, and content. So he's basically. Uh, out here handling all the international markets uh, outside uh, of the United States. And uh, I just kind of wanted to get his take. You know, what does this mean? Where do we go from here? What, what, what was it? And, uh, you know, let you guys hear from the executives that are on the ground making it happen. So, uh, listen, we try to have fighter interviews all the time. But I thought, hey, this is, to me, this is almost more about the night itself, the the moment itself, than even the fights. You know what I mean? This is about a landmark historical moment. So, uh, here's Dave Shaw. Let's just talk about this event overall. I mean, it seems like we've been working a, a long way towards getting to this moment. Now we're here. Uh, what does this mean to you and the company in terms of finally breaking into the Russian market? It's huge. I mean, it feels a bit like a celebration. Um, our viewpoint right now is that the floodgates are going to open, and after this event, it's going to lead to a number of really important opportunities, not only for the brand and, and, and the sport of MMA, but you know, I feel like there's just this undiscoverable uh, group of, of athletes or athletes that have yet to be discovered that I think are going to play a major role in the growth of, of our sport. Uh, I mean, you think about the, the number of athletes that we have from the U.S. and from Brazil. Number three is Russia and CIS. And so there's a lot of opportunity out there for us to, uh, to identify new athletes that can be the next Habib. And uh, it's pretty exciting for us. We touched on Habib, so let's just start there. I mean, I'm sure you've been asked millions of times, yeah. why is Habib Nurmagomedov not on this card? Um, we know he's got a big fight with Conor McGregor coming up now, and that's not why. But was there ever a consideration to, to have Habib fighting on this card? Yeah, the, I mean, the truth is it's, it was something that we considered. Um, I think what prevailed ultimately in the end was the opportunity for us to do something in prime time. And you want to make a big statement, which is why we're going to Olympiaski. Uh, you want to make an impact on the market, not only in the short term, but something that's going to be uh, long lasting. And so for us, really, the decision was, could we come here and do something really meaningful in prime time? And obviously, that would preclude us from doing a pay-per-view. So it's, uh, it's not without, you know, outside of the realm of possibility for some point down the line. But really, for us right now, we wanted to do something that you know, really made a statement. So if he continues on as champion, because I mean, certainly he's got a huge challenge in front of him right yeah. now, but if he continues as champion, I mean, is there the possibility that he could even defend his belt? I mean, could there be maybe a, a pay-per-view? I guess it'd be kind of middle yeah. of the night type stuff. Always the possibility. And yeah, I mean, you look back through some of the events that we've done in the middle of the night, whether it's Stockholm or even Manchester two years ago now, that precedent's been set. We know we can do it. We know that fans will, will buy tickets and show up for a first bout that could be at two in the morning. So. Uh, definitely a consideration for us moving forward, especially because, you know, you, you know, fans everywhere, when we're talking to people, everyone knows them. Everyone wants to see them live. Everyone wants to see them in, in uh, kind of the home region, let's say. So for us, it's definitely something that's on the, the top of uh, the priority list. Last thing I want to ask on Habib, um, 
you know, you, you guys can't pick the outcome of the fights, you know, things, things play out the way they yep. do. But him beating Connor, I mean, would, would that serve a, a huge purpose in growing? I mean, how important is him continuing on as champion to growing this Russian market? Well, I, th- I mean, I think he's a bit of a Trojan horse. I mean, I think he can be the type of guy that, you know, small, up-and-coming, aspirational mixed martial artists can revere and aspire to be like. And so, you know, him setting the example for many athletes to come, you know, by seeing what he's done over his career, you can identify that there's a pathway to excellence to become this global superstar. And so I think if he continues down that path, it's going to mean a lot for, you know, not only MMA, aspiring MMA athletes and fans in, in this region, in Russia, in the CIS, but also, you know, many co- different countries around the world. You talked about the number of athletes that there are from Russia and CIS already. Uh, how many can come on? I wonder, you know, because we always talk about marketability and, and, you know, language barriers and, you know, cultural barriers and things like that. So how, what, what do you see as the future of ingesting fighters, you know, onto the roster? Is there a limit of how many Russian fighters can aspire to be in the UFC? No, I mean, I don't think so. I think, you know, you, you look at the profile of our fans, first of all. And our fans are intelligent, they're discerning, and, and they demand high-quality performance. And so by tapping in and really starting to discover some of these new Russian athletes, all we're doing is we're elevating the quality. Uh, I think the second point is that you know, marketability really is a geographical thing. I mean, you know, if we're able to create local stars that can help us build the business here in Russia, um, we're building the brand, we're building the sport, and we're continuing the strategy of trying to make UFC a, a, you know, a truly global enterprise. Very nice. Uh, let's talk about kind of the rest of the market. I mean, you're in charge of yep. the things outside of Russia. We know we've got this new ESPN deal. There's, I mean, it seems like a big kind of wind change right now for everything. What does that do in terms of impact on the international market? I mean, we know that's really just a U.S. TV deal that we're talking about, but what does that do in terms of number of events, focus on international? How does that impact the business? Well, it's going to impact the business in a few ways. I think the way that the ESPN deal was negotiated really gave a number of opportunities for us to build uh, the business internationally. So first of all, you know, ESPN deal is done. It allows us to shift priorities and really focus on the international business. And that's an exciting time for us. Number two is, you know, as we've talked about in the past, is we're going to have a number of events now that we contractually can show in quote unquote off prime time, right? So it allows us to bring an event to a market in prime time in that region, which is obviously a much more kind of desirable time to see to see an event. So, you know, I think it's going to lead to a few different opportunities. Typically, you know, I, you know, looking at Europe, looking at Asia, because those are the times that are tricky. I mean, Australia always works because it's so far ahead. Brazil and South America, those time zones are much more comparable. Um, so it's important for us to be able to bring, you know, these prime time events into into the region. Uh, and I think the last point is, is you know, we given the platform that we've got with ESPN, is we've got this ability to to promote our athletes in a much more meaningful way in the U.S., which obviously leads to opportunities when they're back in their home regions. Where do you see Russia fitting into the to the global? Because I mean, that's the only bad thing, right? When you expand into a market, you got to pull from somewhere else, I guess. I mean, how many annual events do you think Russia could could host? Well, so generally, we're increasing our our output. So in 2018, we've had uh, or we will have 39 events. We're going up to 42. Um, that's going to allow us to take a few more extra events to to Europe, uh, to Asia. You know, Australia's been on fire lately. We'll continue to have three events in Canada, uh, three events in Brazil. Um, and so for, for us, you know, I think with, with you know, the increased output, 
it's going to it's going to enable us to bring probably two events per year in Russia. Um, it's something where you know we're not going to go too quickly. We want to make sure we're doing things properly. Uh, truth be told, we don't know how many events per year the region can support. So I think you know we start with one or two and and see where that goes. What do you see? It sounds like so pretty consistent output. Uh, maybe even increase internationally. Are are there new markets on hand? I mean, we always get excited about the potential yep. to go to new cities and new countries. Yep. We're always excited for the USC for the first time. Um, I know you can't necessarily lay out the full schedule yeah. for us, but uh, I mean, are there any are there any new destinations on the horizon for next year we might be able to expect? There, there definitely will be. Um, you know, we've had success this year in South America. The event in Chile was great. Um, all indications uh, are that the Buenos Aires event is, is going to be successful as well. Last year was the first time we were in China. We'll continue to pursue uh, live events in China. Uh, we're not really sure which cities yet. Uh, when it comes to Europe, Middle East, and, and, and Africa, um, we will probably continue to um, service some of the key markets like the UK. Uh, Want to get back to, to Scandinavia. Um, so there's, there's a few things that we've got in the hopper that I think will, will be uh, pretty important to, to fans everywhere. It's a great way of answering and not, not saying, saying any at all. We, uh, we, you know how it works around here. <laughs> we don't want to lose any of our leverage when we're starting to sit down with, uh, with venues to talk about it. But uh, we've identified some, some you know, high priority places that we want to go. Um, you know, when we talked about regulation in the past. Uh, we're hopeful that we can get uh, legislation passed in, uh, in in France to make sure we can we can get to France for the first time. I think that would be a, a huge opportunity for us. Um, and then you know continuing across Canada and Brazil. I mean those are going to be those are regions that we want to continue to build. How close are we on France? I mean we've been talking about it for no. years, but does it does it seem like real progress is being made? Real progress is definitely being made. Unfortunately, it's one of those things where you just don't have a timeline. Uh, we are hopeful that at some point in 2019, that's that's pretty much the extent of it right now. I mean. We're doing all that's that's in our power. Um, sometimes it just comes down to you know who's in power, whether or not it's a priority for uh, that ministry. Um, and right now we're we're putting ourselves in a good position to succeed. Cool. Well, last last question for me on, on Russia. What, what, what constitutes success? I mean, we're going into this event, from all indications I've heard, it sounds like ticket sales are phenomenal. Um, you know, the card looks like it could be a lot of fun. But, you know, is this an investment? I just wonder, what constitutes success? I mean, does it have to be a financial success at the gate? Is it that it needs to be a, a great show, you know, that people walk away from being amazing? Or does, does finances matter? Is this an, an investment in the future? I mean, help me understand how you say, yes, we did it, we, we, we succeeded. So I think a few things. You know, first of all, this is an investment that we're making coming here, but it's one that we are certain is going to pay off in the long run. When it comes to specific metrics, I mean, this event is going to be, you know, least in the top seven largest events we've ever done. You know, we've done those four stadium shows, had a couple big events at the Bell Center in Montreal. Um, this could be top five. I mean, the way ticket sales are going. Uh, obviously, viewership. I mean, we're at a really interesting time with our business here in Russia. We've got arguably, you know, two of the biggest events we've ever had coming, um, you know, to Russia for Russian audience in a span of four or five weeks. When you think about the Moscow event this weekend, plus the Conor Habib fight in uh, in four weeks' time. Uh, so the viewership and you know the number of fans that we're connecting with through our various distribution platforms is going to be another one. And then I think lastly, you know, it's always really important for us to to consider and to um, you know kind of take into the formulation what does it mean from a brand perspective and how are fans reacting. And you know, you're at the open workout yesterday. Uh, we're anticipating a huge crowd. 
Um, our sponsorship is, is way up for this event and for the next few months. And so for us, those are all good leading indicators on what a successful roadmap would be for 2019. And I think that's, that's, how, we're gonna, that's how we're gonna evaluate it. All right, so there you go. Dave Shaw talking about the future of, uh, of the UFC internationally, but especially in Russia. Uh, as he said, you know, probably you know, two events a year here will be good, but uh, with the expanded schedule, they're actually adding a few more next year. Uh, won't have to take it away from anywhere else. And, and of course, Dave Shaw did a fantastic job of, uh, of poker-facing me uh, and giving me the perfect corporate answer when I tried to ask what new markets we were going to uh, next year. It's funny, he actually texted me later, and he's like uh, – Bro, sorry I didn't have an answer for you, man. He's like, we're still finalizing everything. I was like, I'm just busting your balls. I know you can't. I know yeah. you'll never tell me anything. Yeah. Even if it was finalized. You'll never tip your cards. You're too You're too good at this, Dave Shaw. Yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, the prelims. Um, oh, yes. CB Dalloway is the uh, the feature fight there. Of course, his third different opponent uh, in this. Uh, man, they have not been doing CB Dalloway any favors. I mean, CB Dalloway... Seems to have some bad luck. Like there just seems to be a black cloud over him anyway. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know I, I thought he had a, a tough assignment going in, and it seems to just continue to get tougher as, as things change and it gets different. And he went from facing a middleweight champion to a light heavyweight champion. <laughs> it's like so bizarre. <laughs> like who who whose wife did he hit on, or like what's oh, the deal here? I feel bad for CBB. I, I saw him. Um, a couple weeks back, uh, up in uh, Sioux Falls, actually, mm-hmm. um, I, di- I didn't get a chance to speak with him. He's actually speaking at a charity event, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to bother him because he was there to help like fundraise for this charity, and it was the the charity that he actually um, when he went over to Africa and, and did some things there. Like really, man, it's it was cool to hear him talk about it. Like he's it's nice. changed him inside. Like it's given him like um, I don't want to say a purpose. You know, he's got his own life going on, but he's like, dude, I I want to keep doing this, man. I want to keep going and, and mm-hmm. helping out over there. So pretty cool but uh yeah tough tough assignment when you when you keep getting the i mean you've already got to travel to russia you've already got to be the the out of town guy and now you, you keep training for different opponent after different opponent after different opponent well not only that but khalid uh oh, let me try to pronounce this correctly <laughs> uh khalid murtazaliev well, that's better than i would have done save that five times fast uh i mean a guy that um, chances are most of the people watching this uh, haven't heard of before, but he's a light heavyweight champion in uh, M1 Global, and uh, he's—I uh, mean, he—he's a solid, solid fighter. Uh, out of 13 wins, 12 are by knockout or TKO. Uh, he hasn't—if I recall—he hasn't necessarily fought any like. Yeah, not really any known names as such. I mean, some names that I recognize, right. like Edelson Franca, for example. But uh, well, that's the hard part about the guys coming out of this region. I feel like it's always such a yeah. tough evaluation because you can watch them on tape and you can like what you're seeing, but I feel like it's so hard to judge because they're fighting a bunch of people that well, for for are all we know, commodities. For all we know, he knocked out two future Khabibs. Right. It's just that we don't know of ever future Khabibs. Yep. Uh, so yeah, tough test, definitely. Uh, think Dalloway might have a hard time in this fight. It's going to be a tough assignment for him. Yeah. Man. It's, a, it's a tough spot for him. Uh, Peter Yan versus Jin Soon Sun. Um, Sorry, I, son. <laughs> you, you were waiting all night for that one. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> you went Peter's minus nine hundred. Wow. Gee, is that the biggest favorite of a card? Yeah, that's the biggest favorite on the card. Okay. I have a dozen surprises. There are me. a lot of big favorites on this card. Tysonov too. This is kind of the opposite of like Dallas where like everything was cool. I kept telling yeah. everybody I was like Dallas, like these are gonna be fun fights, man. I don't know how it's gonna go, but these are gonna be fun fights. But um yeah, a lot a lot of one sided ones here. But uh you, you had a nice scoop with Peter today and um yeah. and as you say, man, I mean a, a lot of people are really high on this kid and, and, and say, listen, man, this this guy's the future. Um, I, I know he had an opponent drop out here. I think he's – I don't want to say he's accused people of ducking him, but he is – What? He's openly suggested that people might not necessarily, you know, enjoy the opportunity to fight him. He's implied it. It's, <laughs> it's been very heavily implied. And first of all, he's uh, – ethnically is like Russian Chinese. Mm -hmm. God damn, is that not a starve of a UFC want to market? There you've got your future of the market where you haven't really found your star, you know? Boy, if he just had, like, a Indian grandmother or something like that, he'd, <laughs> yeah, right. he'd have, like, most of the world covered. <laughs> How about he gets together with a female Indian fighter who becomes oh. the next star? You put them both, main and co-main event, there you got it. You, Bro, you conquer all of Asia. Conquer the entire world right there. Uh, this should be a whitewash. Uh, or, wait, I mean, not a whitewash. Oh, well, what's it called? A uh, one wash? What it's do you a say? whitewash. Yeah. Do you say that? Okay, yeah, do, it's yeah. not just for Hollywood it whitewashing. Sound like, it's not racist. Okay. Hashtag no racist. all the ethnic talk. It's yeah. a whitewash. <laughs> well, I mean, this should... Uh, yeah, it should I, be. I mean, anything can happen in the sport. That's what we love about it. You know, as I, as I always say when I look at big favorites, I mean, this is the sport uh, where Matt Serra, who is here, by the way, uh, where Matt Serra knocked out George St. Pierre. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's, that's fun. You know, you can have fights where nobody gives anybody a chance and, and things still happen. But, uh, yeah. People are, are Don't bet people. your house on, on Sue Son. Damn, son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rustam Habilov versus Cajun Johnson. Uh, I did. It's tough because I've been doing some extra stuff this week outside of Fight Week. Again, because this is more about um, the event, I, I've been trying to shoot some things outside that are more about the area, more about what's going on versus yeah. the fights. Because Cajun is a guy that I've been, I've been you know, like Leslie Smith – you know, trying to make sure I talk to on fight week because I get a chance to see him. And I wanted to talk to Cajun this week. I didn't. I saw you guys did. So I kind of yeah. want to get your take on it because, um, I mean, listen, I, I, I've talked to USC executives, right? I've talked to USC executives, and they swear, like, what are you talking about? Like, we're not, we're not trying to get this guy beat. You know what I mean? We're just, yeah. you know, we're, hey, we just, we're just giving this guy fights. We're just giving him really tough Dagestani matchups. <laughs> I was, I was told, uh, I don't even know if I should get into that, but I can tell you what he, what Cajun said about it. Yeah, well, that's what I want to know. That's he, he want he. First of all, like I was unsure if I was gonna touch on it because we were like standing right in front of, like the UFC PR people. And I was like, I don't know, maybe like be yeah. a little. That's why I've always, I'll be honest. I mean, if you've seen some interviews I've done, I've done them outside of the media day because yeah. I feel exactly that way. Like some PR guy is going to come in and be like, eh, uh, Cajun has another appointment at this point. Well, here's the thing. They actually asked us to wrap it up. They said that it was because really? they were closing the thing down. That's what I always kind of assumed would happen. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, he brought it up. I didn't even touch on it. But he, I mean, he can I mean, like we said, he, he, has very long answers. There's definitely a lot of quotes to get out of it. And he sort of started like going on and on and talking about how um, 
I don't even remember if it was relevant to a question I asked, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> but uh, he started talking about how, uh, yeah, he's been critical of the UFC and he's aware of that. And he thinks that uh, if he does lose this fight, he's definitely going to get cut. And uh, that he's seen like what happens to fighters who are critical of the UFC and stuff like that. And so, I mean, he definitely touched on it. I did ask a follow-up question about, like, okay, well, does this affect the way, you know, the way you speak about stuff? And, again, I didn't even really want to, like, directly touch the criticism part just because yeah, the UFC PR people were sitting right <laughs> over there. Sure enough, the moment he answered that question, they came over and, and talked to Stefan behind the camera and said, like, hey, we, we have to wrap stuff up and please don't uh, conduct interviews without talking to us first and blah, blah, blah. Wow. Thing is, he was not scheduled for a media day. I ran into him just on my way to see you when we have a room. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I just ran into him. I'm like, so you oh. guys were just out in the hallways. Yeah, and we just chatted for a while. I'm like, hey, you know, if you got time, we'd love to talk to you. I thought you guys had set something up. You just no. saw him or like, let's do this. Yeah. So, so and the thing is, like, if I were to have gone and talked to the UFC prior people and said, like, hey, can we get Caden Johnson? 19 about he's a 10. He's busy. Yeah, but like, oh, he's not he's not uh, on, the, uh, on the schedule. Sorry. Yeah, and I mean, that's no disrespect to them, like, not trying to attack them, but why you know if you're if you're a PR person and you know what he's gonna say why would you put him out there you know yeah. what I mean like they can't stop you from talking to him but they don't have to help facilitate you talking to him yeah you know what I mean so but then you don't also have to say like run it by us when we're definitely not gonna get it for you that's true like hey well you know what I mean uh, whatever like again we're not trying to throw them under a bus or anything point being no, they help he, us out a lot he the brought, PR people yeah. are great they oh, help yeah. us out a lot Oh, yeah, Renee's been wonderful all week and stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, he, he brought it up. I mean, it was obviously on his mind. Yeah. Uh, he was extremely articulate and well-spoken about it. And, uh, I mean, it I, was probably one of my favorite interviews today, either him or Alvis. I like talking to Cajun Johnson about the labor stuff, man. I really do because I, I do feel like it's not coming from a place of anger. It's not coming from a place of talking shit, basically. It's more like, dude, I just think this is the way the labor – relations should work and i and i think there's that you know there's definite truth to that so uh yeah he's in his tough hobby is legit it's a tough and it's a well, tough the funny match, thing so. he was like oh yeah hobby is, is a master at winning decisions uh and it's like admittedly i feel like hobby star has faded because he's on has. a five fight winning streak yep. and he feels less hot now yep. than he did after his ufc debut i agree uh and i think there's there's a lot of truth to what johnson is saying here and that Hablov perhaps has toned down a little bit. Maybe those two losses in a row he had did affect him more than we thought. Right. Uh, I mean, he's still an intense fighter. But, I mean, let's face it. I mean, he hasn't put on a whole lot of memorable. I mean, what was the most memorable fight you remember him in? I mean, it was Yeah, like I mean, you know, grinding. Mas- Mas- or, well, I mean, uh, Henderson, obviously. I mean, but. grinding out fights is, yeah, it's. It doesn't necessarily earn you fans. I mean, it's interesting because, yeah. you know, you talk about like a Habib Nurmagomedov where grappling and wrestling is definitely his strength. But, man, you got to be like constantly attacking. You got to be constantly transitioning. You got to be you got to be talking shit to the guys while you're doing it to them. You know what I exactly, mean? You, you must yeah. give up. I must fight for title. You <laughs> it's know? You perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tough assignment for Cajun Johnson. It, it's going to be interesting to see how this happens. Hopefully uh, he doesn't get cut eventually if something does not go his way. Because I would like to see him continue fighting in the UFC. I think he's an entertaining fighter. I think he's a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, tough. Real tough. I, I just don't think the matchmaking is by coincidence. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Uh, I think, I mean, in this phase, you got a list of Dagestani killers nobody wants to fight. <laughs> You're like, oh, you got hurt? Nah, we'll put it back together. Don't worry, man. Yeah. <laughs> we'll still do it. 
Uh, all right, speaking of tough guys, uh, Maribek Tysimov versus Desmond Green. Ooh. I am a huge fan of Maribek Tysimov and have been yeah. for a long time. Um, again, I think maybe some fans in the United States might not necessarily know the name simply because he, he doesn't have a visa. He struggled to get a visa. Um, I have talked to people that are around him and that have helped him, and they say they really don't understand. You know, he, he does uh, have Chechen heritage, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, and I actually talked to him today about it. He said, listen, I'm not a criminal. He's like, anytime I've had a temporary visa to come to the United States, he's like, I've never overstayed it. I've never, like, I've never done anything I'm not supposed to do, and I don't know why I can't get this. Now, I don't know if that just has... I wonder if it's like guilt by association kind of thing, but like maybe there's somebody in his entourage or team or something that's done something because it makes no sense to me. I mean, every time I've spoke to him, he's been the most polite... I mean... Oh, he is. Polite, friendly, welcoming. You know, hello, brother, hello, brother. It's just so nice and cool. Like, I can't see him doing anything bad well outside of a cage i guess right. <laughs> but because uh, <laughs> in the cage i definitely oh, would, bad, I would not call man. him friendly and welcoming but it, it makes no sense i mean he is a top tier athlete honestly he would be in the top 15 today hands probably top 10 if I he agree. could just get a fight he has to get consistent results that's yeah. that's the only thing holding back is just not fighting and nobody wants to yet. fight him hell no who i can't even remember felipe silva i don't remember who that fighter is <laughs> i'm sorry like Revoke my journalism pass if you want to, but like honestly, how many people listening to this can remember Felipe Silva who fought him a Rotterdam card? It makes no sense. Desmond Green that he's fighting. Uh, Desmond was involved in an automobile accident. I thought this yeah. fight. I thought this fight was was going to be scrapped. Um, again, I'm kind of regretful that we didn't do an interview with Desmond ahead of time. We usually do additional interviews. We didn't do additional interviews this week, and there's a couple reasons. Again, it kind of goes back to our staffing. I, I, I have to admit it. I mean, we're, we're running a little tight right now on the staffing, and that's part of it. Um, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, listen, uh, we're in the middle of transitions right now, and we're, we're, we're just being honest, man. We're always honest on the show. Like, we're in the middle right now of kind of reshaping the way we do some strategies at MMA Junkie. Um, well, but right. I kind of regret that we didn't get to talk to Desmond. Now, I don't know how open he would have been to talking about everything, especially on fight week. I could very yeah. easily him see him saying – I mean, saying, people died. It's yeah. Like, yeah. So um, I am – it's weird because now if he wins, it's we're, we're talking about it. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Like we have to. Like, bro, like you got through it. Now let's talk about where your head's at, you know, what this was like for you, um, what happened. But when it first happened, it's – I mean, I thought this fight was going to be off. I mean, you, you know, they're going to let you leave the country with – I'm assuming some type of investigation going on, but maybe maybe the fact that he's here means that police don't think there was as much wrongdoing, and I shouldn't even say wrongdoing because we don't know it. We just don't even know the details, man. Yeah. I mean, a tire could have blown out. Uh, he could have been avoiding. I mean, who knows? We don't know everything that happened in that case yet, but it does have to mess with your mind to be. I, and and thank God, man, I've been involved in a couple. Uh, it's been years since I've been involved in, in, in a vehicle accident, but mm-hmm. um, when I was, they were incredibly minor, you know, fender bender type stuff. Um, I, I, I just I can't imagine dealing with that and kind of what it must do to you. I mean, the Indiana Jones ride at Disney Disney World scares me enough. Uh, I mean. Not only, like, being in it, but having, like, say it was completely out of his doing. A tire blew out, flew, and hit the car behind him. Right. Nobody can help that. But it's like, it's still got to, in some way, affect you. It's got to weigh on you a little bit, right? I mean, mean, again, I I really hope and I 
judge from the fact that he's here makes me think that he doesn't have any form of direct that's involvement. What, that's what I think too. Like the, the, I mean, the authorities must. And again, I mean, it's almost irresponsible us to speculate, but yeah. that's what I'm doing. I'm speculating. If I see a guy, I mean, as a journalist, sometimes you have to use you know educated guesses, right? I yeah. mean. Now you have to prove it, you know what I mean? But just my gut tells me if they were willing to let the guy travel out of the country, they must not think there's too too much of a concern. In my book, 2 plus 2 is 4. So, I mean, it's like if he's here in Russia where it's real easy for people to disappear, <laughs> Snowden, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think he had a whole lot of direct involvement. But, I mean, just still, I mean... A, the trauma of your own accident. B, the trauma of just like, oh, shit, the thing I was involved in got how many people was it killed? Two? Two, yeah. Two people killed. I mean, that would be that would be rough. That would be really rough. It's weird, man. I, I I kind of want him to win. I'll be I'll be backstage uh, on Saturday. Um, I'll, I'll definitely sneak out for the first five of the night just so I can soak it in, and hopefully I can make it out for the main event to see what it ends up feeling like. But I'll be backstage interviewing the winners and part of me wants him to win just so we can have that you know the the, the chance to talk to him oh yeah um but at the same time Merbeck is a i'm a huge Merbeck tyson fan as you said um i think this guy would be way higher up the rankings had he just been able to fight consistently so uh big yeah. one all right listen uh one other interview i want to bring to you uh another executive and i think probably one of his first uh English language interviews, or definitely at least with the Western media, but uh, Andre Gromkowski is taking over as the well, not even taking over, it's a new position he's the uh, vice president of UFC Russia so he is working behind the scenes uh, to help make things happen he's the one that's leading the charge here, as uh, Dave Shaw kind of handles the entire globe, but he travels from place to place and checks in with these people Andre is the guy that's on the ground here. He's the one that's going to continue. I mean, obviously, this is not a one-off event, man. This is the establishment oh, yeah. of a market. You know, um, you know, you said it perfect. You know, like uh, you know, the, the U.S. of here. You know, it's, it's, you know, you look at like Brazil is the big market in mm-hmm. South America. You know, the, I mean, this is a huge market in this part of the world, and this is not supposed to be a, a one-off event. So uh, Andre is tasked with kind of building a team here and building a presence here and continuing to develop everything. So uh, wanted to get his take on. You know, kind of starting this new gig and uh, and what he sees for for the future of the Russian market as well. Well, Andre, of course, you you know that this has long been a target of the UFC to to, to get to Russia. Um, what what kind of changed, I guess, or what triggered for this to finally become a reality? Sure. Uh, look, I think the main trigger probably is is the partnership that was uh, announced and, and and built here. I think. That was one of the reasons, especially you know, having a strong local partner and then international investors on board is key to working in Russia. And I think many uh, many companies have learned this over the years. And I think uh, the fact that UFC is launching with such strong partners is an important step forward. Fantastic. You're going to be a, a new face to a lot of people, of course. So give yes. us an idea kind of what role you're going to be playing, how much uh, fans will get to see out and about. Are you going to be behind the scenes or, or what are well, you going to be doing? Look, uh, I mean, uh, I'm, uh, you know, my, my, my role is, is making the business run, building that business from scratch. I've done that multiple times over my career in, in media. I am, I'm not from the MMA industry, but I do have uh, a lot of uh, love. For MMA, so I think you know, as as time goes by, I think you know you have to look at the actual results of things being done, and that is important rather than just you know, um, kind of uh, being all over the place. So I think it's for for for, for me professionally, this is a, a great new step and uh, a way to prove 
that uh, we can get uh, this great uh, you know, brand in a, in a company to be in Russia and really to, to build and evolve here. Very cool. Talk about the strategy of the card. I mean, um, this has long been a target uh, to come to Russia. And I think people thought maybe, hey, it'll be a big pay-per-view event. You know, instead, it's a little bit smaller event on Fight Pass. Can you tell me what the, what the strategy was and why ultimately that was a decision that was made to come with, with this card? Well, I think, look, I think first of all, it's important. Russia is, a, as they call it, a world on its own. Uh, in, in, inside, like so, there. You know, we, we we and we're doing research, for example, at the moment, and we're seeing that there's just so much love for local names, and there are many, as you know, great great fighters here. So I think one of one of the goals uh, of you know of developing this event was to have a lot of local names that would resonate with the people uh, and with our fans. And um, I think the the second part is obviously, you know, I think there were some. Uh, initially, if someone had any misconceptions about uh, who was going to fight, you know, for obviously for people who are, um, I think, you know, well into MMA, they obviously understand that there's time zone differences, and that there, you know, some, you know, a, a, a big fight uh, would, would, would a big, a big, huge event um, is uh, is uh, something that um, uh, you know works for for some time zones and. Uh, the event that I think we're going to have is for for Russia is huge because I think it's historic. It has local fighters, and it's just it's it's great. I think uh, longtime MMA fans, hardcore MMA fans, were very surprised when M1 Global was announced as a partner. Uh, I'm just curious, kind of um, how that came about and what role they're going to be playing moving forward with with the UFC. Because obviously there was a a time where those two brands uh, were, were like oil and water. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we're not. Uh, we, 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 you know, there's, there's, there's talk, obviously, of, of, uh, of this partnership, and I mean, we are cooperating, and I mean, it's, it's great to have some, 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 uh, um, uh, some, uh, an extra, uh, you know, like a, someone who can help in terms of like local people from the local MMA scene. That's important, but I mean, we're, you know, we're obviously uh, working with a number of local organizations. Uh, federations and in, in, in building this, so um, I think that's just you know that's just part of our our, our market mar, mar, market strategy, and 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 we hope that you know this will um, this will continue and it will help us uh, expand the UFC brand in Russia. You're obviously entrenched in this market. I mean, we're just here for a couple of days and observing the best we can, but. Give me your, your idea of the interest that this has generated. I mean, I don't know if there's any kind of, you know, uh, tools that you've used to, to monitor or, or to regulate, but I mean, how would you gauge the interest in this event? Well, look, I think, I think it's, 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 it's very simple. When we, when we launched, I think it was pre-sales of tickets to this event, you know, we had such a surge, we did not expect. And to this day, you know, it's still unbelievable because, you know, people we work with, from the events industry event who do a lot of different events, different types of events. They're saying like, can we do this every week? This is amazing. And it's a first historic event, obviously. So obviously uh, there's, it's, there's a certain surge in popularity that, that comes with that. But I think it's, um, I think it's just that the interest, the interest is huge. And you know, we've, we're obviously doing research, we're monitoring social networks, we're working a lot with, with our fans online. And we see that there's just, uh, you know, probably uh, from, from from my estimation is you know about 55, 53 million people in Russia and men. I mean, watch this usually on average per year. And then if you get into you know details of separate events, well, I don't know, it's 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million. It's huge. So it's good.
Very nice. Uh, you mentioned that, that Russia is kind of its own separate world. Um, give us an idea. You know, are there challenges that are going to make this market tough as, as we move forward? You know, being a, a U.S.-based company or just in general, because um, this is my first time in Russia, I don't know a whole lot about it. But um, I mean, are there specific challenges to this market that are going to be you know hurdles to overcome as as you try to grow this brand? Well, you know, every market every market has its peculiarities. Every country is a bit different. There are cultural differences, but. Uh, exactly for for that reason, I think first of all, you know, um, the UFC um, hired myself. We're we're hiring a team. Uh, we have we have actually a number of team members, local team members already, with both experience in MMA and different different completely different areas, marketing, you know, digital, etc. So we're building our presence, uh, and we have the team that is ready to help our colleagues who come from all over the world, really, right from. Australia, New Zealand, to US, to Brazil, to, to many other places to make this work. And I think the fact that the UFC is such a great um, international organization by its, by its nature um, helps that because we, we solve problems. If, if there are any problems, you know, if any questions, we can always solve them. We, we, we team together and, and look at how to work with them. So I don't, I don't think there's anything really, um, really, really separately special, but it is, it is uh, 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 probably one of the f one of the big places in the world where there's so many fans and fighters, which is great. Yeah, one of them is fighting uh, against Conor McGregor in a couple of weeks. So be never made off. Of course, is becoming the face of Russian MMA. Uh, you know, obviously you can't pick outcomes of fights, but I mean, I wonder is there any part of you inside that's got your fingers crossed and, and hoping to win? I mean, would that would that be beneficial for this this uh, this market? I mean, look, the success of Russian fighters is, is, is obviously important for this, for this market, but I mean, it's, you know, you can't, you know, we, 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 don't, we, don't, make those, we don't make those predictions. But I think that um, it's, it's generally, uh, it's great when Russians win because for, especially inside, because it creates that pathway, that mental pathway for people like a dream, right? And um, so we, you know, we always look at the ability to, to create that pathway for many young people who would go into MMA and become fighters. I think that's very important. And I think that's something we will work with in the future um, to, to, to help um, a lot of these people, who, who a lot of our uh, fans and fighters especially who, who can grow you know, to, to become bigger and better. Can you help us understand as, as Americans, which most of our audience is, how big of a star Habib Nurmagomedov is in Russia? I mean, is he on par with with footballers or hockey players? Or I mean, where does he rank in terms of the national landscape? Yeah, I think I think Habib is, is a huge star. I mean, it's it's amazing. You sometimes you go into you know to to, to you to, you go to speak to people who might not be familiar generally with MMA, uh, but then when you say Habib, it's kind of like it, it it really helps. But I mean, Connor probably as well. So. It's, it's just, it's super stardom. It's great. No doubt. Uh, can't mention Russian MMA without mentioning Fedor Emelianenko. Uh, of course, he's fighting another organization now. But I wonder, uh, is, is there any part of you that thinks that maybe there's still a hope that he could come to the UFC one day? Within, you know, with, I imagine you know, his superstardom here is huge as well. I'm sure it would assist the Russian market. Is that something that you even consider? It's, 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 it's interesting because, well, obviously, we, we can't, you know, we, we don't, um, the decisions in terms of, uh, uh, who's who, who's who, who fights and who works, you know, in, in, in the UFC? Those are made by 
uh, by our colleagues, by our team in Vegas. But um, in regards to um, uh, Fedor Emelianenko, I mean, he's here. He's the head of the uh, Russian MMA Union, which is a local federation. So um, obviously, you know, the main the main organization dedicated to mixed martial arts, you know, being uh, working with them is important for us. So we do we do hope that that we you know, and some you know some of their officials probably will work at our event, and you know, so there's obviously room to um, to get things done and 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 uh, in this market at least. Very nice. Well, step number one is Saturday night. I know we're all excited to see it, but give us an idea your vision. What do you see for the future? I mean, how big can this sport be in Russia? How big can the UFC brand be in Russia? How many events do you see happening? Just give us an idea what the what the future well, of the UFC in Russia is. When we talk to people in the media industry here, um, oftentimes they say, "Well, your sport is number two. and I say number two compared to what? And they say football, well, soccer in the US terms, right? So, uh, so it's just basically, I think it has the potential to be the second biggest sport here, at least. Uh, potentially might be the case in, in future years that it could be a number one sport. So uh, for us, I think the important, uh, what's important is uh, that uh, we develop in terms of events, right? So we have a number of events in market and then we grow everything around that. We grow the fan experiences, we, we grow the media part of it, uh, we give the ability to people to buy their, you know, their you know, branded um, merchandise, we give them the ability to uh, associate themselves with the brand and with, with the personalities around that brand that they, people connect to. So I think it's important for us to support that fandom and to help it grow even bigger. And I think it's um, uh, in, in, you know, in the modern age when, 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 um, when shorter content works. Uh, better, I think the fact that you know we have the ability to generate those that shorter content that may be well be in our favor compared to other types of sports. All right, so there you go, a name you might not have known before, Andre Gomkowski. Now you'll know. That's what the MMA Roadshow does for you. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> there you go. That's what's up. All right, let's wrap up this card, Seb. Uh, you know, the the, the final four call, fights on here, I, I will say, I'm I'm really uh, – the one I'm most excited about, no question about it, Marab Devalishvili versus Terrian Ware. Right. Um, first, Marab uh, is just a great dude, man. I, I've enjoyed talking to him. He, you know, he, he had some tough luck the last time out. There's no question about it. Um, but uh, great camp. You know, he's got he's got the Ray Longo and Matt Sarah corner here for him. I actually saw those guys at breakfast this morning. They had just arrived on the plane. So, um, you know, th th that guy is uh, is fun to watch. And, of course, his corner is fun to have as well. But Terry and Ware has had kind of a hard road in the UFC. But you look at the people that he's – that he's fought and the and the fights that he's had. Well, he's put up in these lose fights. Like we want you to lose to this up and coming guy fights. Cody Stammen, Sean O'Malley, and Tom Dukenois. Three Those guys the, the UFC are hot on. 
I mean, think about that. Like, that is insane. And he's put up good fights. I mean, he's gone to a yeah. decision with all three of One them. One could argue that he won against Dukinwan. I agree, man. So, uh, I, I'm high on Terry and Ware. So, I mean, I think it would be very easy for, for people to say, ah, oh, guy's 0-3. What the hell do I care about? Listen, if you haven't watched the fights, even the fight with Stamman was a good fight. I remember, mm -hmm. I believe that was the first fight of the night, if I remember the, right that night. And I remember thinking, man, this kid lost, but I like him. Um I don't know, man. I, that, that, that's definitely out of those, the fight that I'm most excited about. For me, it's a completely different one because uh, I mentioned earlier for you that they're you know, undefeated Russian debutants, mm -hmm. and uh, everyone's got their eye on Alexei Kunchenko. And to be fair, that is with merit. That, mm -hmm. that is one you should have your eye on. But Adam Yandiev, or, or y Yan yeah, Yandiev. Yeah, I heard, a lot of people, I, I heard a lot of people say this guy's the truth. Every single fight he's won by first-round finish. And he's from one of those uh, autonomous Russian republics. It's not Dagestan. It's not Chechnya. It's something that begins with an I. I can't remember it. So you probably lost all your listeners from there because I didn't credit them. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it's got a cool flag, though. I'll give you that. With like this weird little trifecta thing in the middle. Either way, uh, uh, the question... That's a, a hard-hitting insight that you don't get <laughs> yeah, anywhere else. Exactly. you got to come to me for that kind of like r irrelevant bullshit information. Uh, so when you got somebody who's like 8-0 or 9-0 with all first-round finishes, the question is always, of course, you know, competition. Right. And to be fair, I mean, I think he faced a debutante in his fifth fight or fourth fight, something like that. But after that, it's been some some pretty, in terms of, of uh, record anyway, solid competition. And uh, I've seen some of his fights. Uh, it, he's not the most glamorous or technical fighter. Uh, it's definitely more power than it is technique, but god damn it if there's not a lot of power. Uh, I say keep your eye on this fight. I, don't, I mean, he, and he's got a tough test ahead of him. And Jordan Johnson also yep. undefeated. Yep. I think that's a great fight, to be honest. In Ingushetia, by the way. Ingushetia? Yeah, that's it, yeah. And it has like a little fidget spinner in the middle of it. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, the fidget spinner <laughs> in the middle. Yeah, but well, I, I, I probably shouldn't say that until I'm out of here. I, I, can see that I, that I cannot imagine the uh, folks from the Republic. It's probably easier to get section. away with that than a gay joke here. So, Wow. We'll just, we'll just edit that part. <coughs> cold coffee. If you could cut that last part out, please. Uh, we we want to make sure this up stays alive. Thanks, cold coffee. Fresh the other. Uh, no, listen. Um, it is going to be interesting. I... Uh, I, I, there's a, a lot of names again that I think people aren't going to be familiar with, but this could be the beginning. Um, you know, you heard Andre say it, and, and you heard Dave say it earlier too. I mean, this is just going to help foster growth on the Russian oh, scene, yeah. man. And I think it's going to be just, you know, more people being funneled, you know, a, a pipeline. So I think, uh, uh, was it you? You said you talked to Dan Hardy earlier today and said, like, you know, there could be a Habib in every division. or I mean, I mean Yeah, or he said the Russians are going to take over most of the divisions. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's true. I mean, this this is a hotbed. And I mean, and mm -hmm. these are these are battle-tested dudes. There, there are people that, that have impressive records. You know, it's not, you know, they're coming to the UFC at, at 4-0. You know, they're 9-0. They're 12-0. They're 15-1. You know they're what I mean? 18-0 in some. That's it, man. I mean, so I, I think that people are going to have to get used to it. You know, yeah. they, they, these are these are people that you're going to have to watch. And, you know, maybe it was easy before to say, well, that guy's name's hard to pronounce and he doesn't even speak English anyway, so so why do I care? Um, and and if if Habib is able to beat Connor and, and just keep the keep keep the, the the growth going, I mean, that, how will that not show? As as these guys said, you know, how will that not show the path of of of, of you know where people can grow and what they can do? So, um, 
Well, I mean, I remember reading an article from... I, I want to say MMA junkie, but to be, I'm not. It confident. probably was. It was if I'm it was, I mean, if it was high quality, if it was. <laughs> well, I'm not. Either way, it was. It was about uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov's fight against Tiago Tavares, which was, I mean, for many, his sort of like coming out party. Right. And I remember reading how, like, uh, in your article, it said like, "Oh, we can't really pronounce his name, but let's call him Normie for now." Right. And it's like, well, guess what? Everybody knows his name now. That's funny. And even if you don't, you can call him Khabib. You know, Khabib time. It's that is like true. nobody calls him Normie anymore, really, do they? Yeah, no. They, they used to, man. We couldn't say that. Yeah, but, but now it's, awesome. all, it's all about the Khabib. Well, listen, I'm excited. Uh, also, I got the best business uh, suggestion for Khabib ever. Yeah. You ready for this? Let's hear it. Start up a fast food joint. Kebab Nurmagomedov. Wow. Am I right? It's almost like Simon Head is in the room right now, dude. <laughs> yeah. He sent us a message earlier to say hello. Maybe he infected and with that me that way. Dad joke of a that it's almost like he's sitting here right now. That's phenomenal. <sighs> on that note, uh, listen, I'm excited for this event again. I get it. Uh, listen, it is on Fight Pass. So for folks back home in the States, it's going to be a morning card, which I always, to be honest, I like it, man. I you love can be it. done, dude. You can wake up in the morning, kick it, watch some fights. You get the Fight Pass pacing, which means we're going to be just blasting through fights. Watching fights while eating brunch is the fucking you best. You can't beat it. Then you can have your evening to yourself. You can still go out on Saturday night. And again, and it's, a, it's like considered okay to have a drink with brunch. That's so it's all like, right. Exactly. I mean, you can have a drink anytime, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's it why is. I love his show. Damn right. Uh, I'm excited to see it. It is. I mean, I, I, I do. I, we haven't been in the building yet. We're going to go check it out tomorrow. I, I mean, again, it's set for demolition, so that should tell you something about yeah. the condition of what we can expect. But well, it might get demolished before we get there, what? depending on how things go Saturday night. Dude, just the cheesiness is just exuding <laughs> from you, man. The, the beer is setting in on the on the vegan man here. The frosty yeah. beverages are, are doing their the work. The dad jokes are piling up. <laughs> All right, man. Well, before you embarrass yourself too much, I'll just get us out of here so we can go hang out in Red Square a little bit. To, yeah. To everybody else, thanks for listening.